Hi, I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to a special edition of the Brennis Female Podcast. This week, we're doing things a little differently in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. I've been asking women whose advice I trust to share their views and tips for listeners on how to deal with the situation we're currently facing. Today, my guest is Megan Tregono, Vice President Philanthropy at CAMH, Canada's largest mental health teaching hospital. Before we get to our conversation, I want to thank our sponsors. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women entrepreneurs achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. Megan has spent the last decade working in the healthcare sector, heading fundraising strategies for some of Canada's leading health organizations, including Women's College Hospital. In our interview, we spoke about CAMH's new play to support healthcare workers with mental health services, and we talked about mental health issues that are surfacing during these difficult times. So we are speaking uh, during, you know, we're both in isolation. Uh, COVID is still a reality in our world. So we've been home now for several weeks. Um, we are seeing the light at the tunnel. Uh, at the end of the tunnel, we were just talking about how there's a sense of optimism uh, that seems to have come back. Um, there's uh, people are a little bit more positive about the outlook for our situation. So before we get into the work that you do for CAMH, I want to start by asking you about how have the past few weeks been for you? How has your life changed since the start of the isolation period? Thank you. Um, it's interesting. That's typically a question we always lead with whenever we see someone, right? How are you doing? And it, it feels like a loaded question these days of uh, really life has been turned upside down completely um, and utterly. I'm... Um, have a, a big full-time job with, with Cam H and I've got two little guys at home. We have a young family. Um, so we're all now home, the four of us together with no supports from grandparents, which we're typically used to and support from family. So we are still continuing to lead our full-time jobs, which we're entirely grateful for um, and couldn't be more proud to, to be in a purpose-driven sector, which has really given so much meaning um, during this time while trying to deliver some school curriculum and fun and, and safety and general day-to-day well-being to our, our young boys. So um, if, if we didn't feel like we were wearing multiple hats before, we, we really are wearing them all at the same time, I would say, now. Um, the, the first few weeks were really, truly about survival. How are we going to um, build our, our new structure and, and plans throughout the day? Um, and now we're feeling a little bit more comfortable in a, that sense of, as you said, optimism of, um, okay, this is, this is here to stay for a bit. And now we need to adjust to our new reality. Um, and now I want to ask you about your role at CAMH, where you are a vice president for philanthropy, um, which uh, plays a, a, a huge role in, uh, in, in CAMH's existence. But before we get into recent projects, I want to go back and ask you about your journey up to this point. And you and I know each other from a previous establishment where you worked, but tell me about your path and what's brought you to your current role. 
Sure. Thank you. Um, well, I think that that's a, a great point that you make is certainly how um, connections play such a critical part of, of what we do and how we were connected through our, our previous, um, I'd say, our, our passions for healthcare care and, and philanthropy. Um, but my journey began um, with actually a really early pivot in my career. I started in communications and public relations in a firm, in an agency. Mm-hmm and working with organizations all across Ontario, um, primarily in a PR capacity. Um, but I really found that I was not connecting to the work in a real, from a purpose um, standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to be involved with some nonprofit organizations through the agency, supporting them with some of their fundraising initiatives, so gift announcements, launches, awareness campaigns. And I really got a flavor for the nonprofit world. So at the time, about five years into my, that was right out of university, five years into my role um, at the agency, our president said, would you ever consider fundraising? I think we have an opportunity to start a fundraising division here at the agency and you have such Mm -hmm. transferable skills in the communications PR side. Um, What do you think? So I went back to college after graduating university, um, obtained my certified fundraising executive designation um, and started working with clients on a a project basis, helping them build um, uh, the resources required for capital campaigns across Ontario. So my work took me across to communities such as Aurelia, um, Guelph, Hamilton, um, built a barrier-free park for kids of all abilities, uh, built a transitional home for women and their young families. So I was able to be catapulted into communities, get an understanding of uh, the importance of community connections, working with different uh, levels of of government and securing, helping the organizations to secure dollars in a very short amount of time. So that really opened my eyes to the world of philanthropy and the impact um, and really the the, um, element of relationship building that I love so much. So then that took me, uh, my next journey was to women's college in, in healthcare philanthropy. I'm a daughter of a nurse and uh, literally grew up in a, a healthcare environment. Uh, it was one of my first volunteer jobs um, in, a, in a hospital. Um, I, I knew that that would be part of my calling, would be in the healthcare sector. So I really wanted to gain experience um, on the stewardship side of relationships with donors. So my work in consulting was very time limited. You're in and out mm-hmm. working with organizations, but you're not building those long-term relationships um, as a primary person. So going into the opportunity to join a healthcare organization that matched my values around um, uh, innovation and teamwork and women and equity um, was really where my calling came. So I joined that organization, was there for nine years and helped to build the country's first uh, fully outpatient ambulatory organization that's focused on women's health, um, Mm -hmm. but uh, healthcare for all. And so one of the key pillars there had been innovation, which really is important to me and something that I am really drawn to. So my journey there took me to many different leadership roles and that really helped me expose me to um, the dynamics across a and healthcare organization. Um, I led the communications team, the uh, philanthropy team, fundraising team. So really had an opportunity to get to know all the different stakeholders across the organization um, and the demands and the unique um, environment that that a health that a healthcare setting provides. So. This next opportunity to join the CAMH team again, um, driven by my values in alignment with my own values around health equity, um, certainly innovation again, um, and leadership was really my calling as to what this next big um, uh, forefront and mental health certainly hits home for me personally at the family level. So um, that's what I'm really excited about 
why we're here today and um, the situation that we see ourselves with COVID-19 um, could not highlight the, the need yeah. in, for mental health support um, in any greater way. So I want to talk about, and, and there's, um, you know, we're, we're having conversations about our own mental health. Um, I've had uh, recent podcast guests who, are shared their, who have shared their tips and advice for dealing with the stress and anxiety that we're all facing in the current situation. There's also a reality that we are not talking about as much, and it's the uh, mental health of our healthcare workers and our frontline workers who are dealing um, firsthand with all of the uh, the real hardship and the real challenges that uh, on, on, on the health front that we're seeing because of the pandemic. So do you want to tell me about how this is being addressed at CAMH? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I think this is a, a, a personal and professional pride point for us across the organization, the role that we can help um, the system. What we saw early on um, is certainly the need for personalized supports for frontline workers. They need information and care um, in real time when they need it, um, not just you know, to download a, a resource document, but they actually need that um, curated support. So what CAMH did early on was create a digital hub on CAMH.ca with information, resources and tools for the general public, for Canadians. In the first week, we saw 13,000 visits to fast forward about four weeks to 185,000 visits and downloads to our resources and tools. So we knew that the the need was certainly great. Um, The organization mobilized really quickly thanks to the generosity of donors who came forward Mm -hmm. early on and said, we know we need to help. Our frontline workers need the care. Um, What can we do to help? So CAMH already had the expertise and evidence-based resources in place, but really needed to accelerate that support in real time and create those tools and resources to support them. So what the organization is doing now is has developed a curated hub just for frontline workers, just launched a couple weeks ago, where they can go in and resource things specific to their needs, um, Mm -hmm. as well as delivering a mental health um, uh, program called Coping with covid and so this is a virtual program that's delivered a couple times a week where any healthcare practitioner um, right across the Toronto network right now will be expanded across the province in Canada can sign up to, to access these, um, these webinars and they're virtual mm-hmm. webinars um, where they can access wherever they are. So then there's a, a panel of experts um, and thought leaders that are there in real time to be able to share supports and resources with frontline workers. So those are some of the things um, certainly that we're doing. The other element is um, training other hospitals and community organizations on how to deliver virtual mental health care mm-hmm. to patients and clients. So delivering care to the, the frontline workers has been a, a priority for the organization early on. Um, and we're going to continue to see that need. You know, what we're already bracing ourselves is for what the after impacts of this is going to be on frontline workers. It's not just what they need today, but what are yeah. some of the things they're going to struggle with PTSD and other um, elements of mental illness that will um, unfortunately forever be with some. So how can mm-hmm. we as an organization prepare ourselves to be there as a support and uh, Megan, you've worked in you know hospitals uh, and, and in the health sector for, for a long time now. Um, tell me about your experience working with healthcare workers, because I feel like this conversation that we're having is not something that's discussed a lot. 
we, you know, we assume that we we can rely on, you know, doctors, nurses, staff in healthcare facilities, in hospitals, and we we take them for granted, you know. And in time of crisis now, I think the the outpour of support for frontline health care workers have, has been amazing. There's been a lot of recognition and celebration in our community, which is great. But I think we don't really know the real day-to-day uh, reality that they find themselves in. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's certainly an area that we, I mean, where I get so much joy from the work that we do in our teams is those interactions and relationships that we build with our hospital partners. I think it's it's what my experience has been um, is when we reach out to our donors and partners to see how they're doing during this time and offer that help and, and um, hope of offering some of these resources, we're doing the same with our hospital partners. So Mm -hmm. I just had email exchange yesterday with one of our emergency department doctors who has two young girls at home and she's on the front lines every day and then coming home um, uh, to her family, emailing her, asking her how she's doing, sending a note card, you know, a handwritten card to two physicians in our organization that both work at CAMH and they both got two young children at home. So we've got two parents on the front lines coming in to support the most vulnerable people in our community and their children are at home. Um, uh, so reaching out just those human connections and checking in to see how people are doing, that's that's one of the things that we're doing um, and we find to be so powerful. Um, people are, are People don't expect kindness during times like this, mm. but they'll, that, I think that's right. one of the things they'll never forget. We're not going to forget the scary headlines and those things, but we're never going to forget how people made us feel during that. So I think that's one of the things we can do is um, when in doubt, just reach out and just ask how people are doing. Do you find that, and, and because you work in, you know, in, in the healthcare sector yourself, do you find that there is enough support in place uh, in healthcare organizations, in hospitals to help uh, assist uh, workers, frontline workers with the support they need on on the mental health front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, to answer that question, I think um, fully is we're never going to be completely done. We're never going to have a black and white answer if we've got the right supports. I think everybody's unique. Everybody has their own needs. And that's the challenge with mental health is we mm-hmm. constantly have to be evolving new research. Um, this is really personalized care and medicine. So it's not a one size fits all, but we can right. create some of those frameworks and tools and Um, where we've been able to be nimble and innovative through philanthropy is that we can create what's needed, not necessarily just, you know, here's a lump sum of dollars and here's the outcome we're going to go after, but we can create those those, uh, supports in real time. Um, And that's the stage we're at right now of um, responding to what frontline workers are telling us they need through the coping with COVID um, mental health program. And then creating, for example, uh, the generosity of donors have enabled us to accelerate the amount of times we can offer that on a weekly basis or create tools that they're saying we need this, we can create that. So I unfortunately don't think we're... um, at least not for any time soon to have, you know, here's completely everything that we need. It's, Mm -hmm. do we have the support and resources to be nimble and continually deliver that personalized care that people need? What would be your advice? And I'm assuming that you have been exposed to a lot of the material that's being shared. What would be some of your tips and advice for anyone who is feeling um, like there's an increased pressure, they're feeling more anxiety and stress uh, amidst the crisis that we're in? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, I certainly would direct um, folks to the resources that we have shared just as of today, actually, we now all of our 
um, uh, anxiety uh, resources that are on our KMH.ca website are now available through Google Play and Apple. So you can download an app um, with that information right at your fingertips. So that certainly would be one thing I'd recommend. Um, uh, so just so I think it's helpful for people to realize that you're you're not alone. While we are apart, we aren't alone. And here are some of the things that can be helpful. And sometimes that uh, what strategies that I've used in my own life with my family is really getting back to the things that bring me joy. Um, for me, it's exercise, fresh air, making that a priority. Um, yesterday, I actually moved some of my video calls into walking meetings. So I put on my toque and my, my earbuds and went for an hour-long walk with my team in a blizzard. Um, because yeah. <laughs> that for me helps fuel the rest of my day, because if I don't have that, um, uh, and as a mother, I quite often say that if you don't put your own oxygen mask on, you can't help others. So being aware of those conscious decisions that you're making on a daily basis, um, and being gentle on yourself, this, this, uh, new world is about progress and not perfection. And, and being uh, taking care of yourself in that way. So for me, it's been one day at a time, make conscious decisions. And um, those decisions have to be around the things that fuel you and give you joy so that you can be full in the other areas of your life that you need to be. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners that can provide education, financing, mentoring, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you through workshops, coaching, and mentorship and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. My heart goes out to moms who are, you know, living, going through the, the pandemic with all of us, but with children at home. Uh, there's the added responsibility of homeschooling for, for many of them. Um, what are some tips that you would share based on your own experience having kids during the isolation period? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my advice is throw any expectations out the window. It, it, the first few weeks, I really tried um, to follow the great, great support that our my son's teachers have given us through email of different resources and, and learning tools to use. But what I really found was I don't actually physically have the time mm -hmm. to sit down and do those things with him. So rather than getting you know frustrated with myself that I'm failing or I can't do that, we have just been incorporating life learnings and lessons in daily things, right? Rather than trying to sit down and um, do an instruction um, mm -hmm. at, at the table, he put on rubber gloves and helped me with the dishes yesterday morning. And we talked about how to do that. And then, you know, um, responsibilities of helping to clean up the table and making your bed. And those are things that we did before, but now we really are consciously thinking about that. So mm -hmm. um, finding natural ways to build in learning opportunities, you know, counting sticks at the park versus counting them on a piece of paper in a, in a, um, a formal way. Mm -hmm. That's been easier for us to blend into our life right now because that's the reality. Right. Um, uh, one, a really neat little story that I'll, I'll uh, share just for a second is um, 
one of the unexpected learnings that we saw um, my son enjoyed the other day was he found our, our camera and this was a camera that we purchased before he was born and I'd say in his world it's an olden olden days camera right, he picked yeah. up that camera and took cam took photos all day and then at night we watched his slideshow of all the photos that he took and he told us about all the story about all the photos why he took them and he would you would see the joy on his face he's laughing it was amazing to see, wow, he's learned something. Mm -hmm. We're now talking about the things that he's taken photos of. I probably couldn't have planned a better lesson, right? right. A school lesson than that. So mm -hmm. inspiring that or um, that curiosity, allowing them just to be kids, that is what we're now realizing after week six versus my expectations <laughs> in the first three weeks. So, mm -hmm. And it's, it's about creativity too, right? And I find it interesting that because I'm seeing a lot of, uh, you know, friends I have who are parents posting about the activities they're doing with their children. And it's an amazing time for their kids to be creative and explore, you know, what 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 it is they like. Um, and we can draw a parallel with how we're all forced to explore our creativity. And certainly from a business standpoint, uh, entrepreneurs, businesses, uh, anybody in a, in a professional position, uh, we all have to apply creativity and innovation to pivot and find new ways of doing business or taking our business to new new places. Um, so if anything, I think COVID is teaching us about the importance of being creative and tapping into those resources we have. I couldn't agree more. It's uh, That's what our team has looked at too. And we've heard from our hospital colleagues, you know, what can we stop, start and continue? Mm -hmm. after this pandemic what 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 were we doing that really wasn't making an impact and how have we pivoted in a new way and our team actually just talked about that yesterday of all the different um, communication tools we've now been using whatsapp and webex teams and all these different chat groups we're now we're going to start just adopting those because they've been working so well right. um but it's been really neat to see people try new things and um, see the benefits of them I love the meme that's going around social media saying, yeah, that meeting that that meeting could have been a phone call or a video conference. <laughs> and that's yes. being, being proven at a global, you know, st stage at this point. Um, and from a mental health standpoint, are there any plans for changes? How's has this situation taught you at CAMH that you know, there's a new direction certain programs should be taking or um, uh, maybe just applying those new tools in the way you share your resources as well. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I think, um, well, for us, the the reality is, is unfortunately, we've, we've known this for a long time. Our, our stance is mental health is health. And I think what we're seeing is that the world is really seeing now um, mm -hmm. through this pandemic that, wow, mental health really is health. And we do have to take care of our own mental well-being as much as we do just our physical um, being. So some of the areas that we're seeing evolve, which we've been leading in for quite some time. But now I think the what's beautiful is the, the partnership with government. They're really realizing that virtual care um, is better for patients and people and on the system and on the, 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 um, uh, the frontline medical staff that are delivering the care as well. So that's a huge area that we're seeing uh, a major shift and we were able to train. Uh, we were actually before COVID, we had 50 key practitioners across CAMH that were delivering virtual care. Now we've trained over 300 mm -hmm. um, and that was just in the first two weeks. So we have the expertise, the supports, it's how to accelerate it quickly and making sure that we're making a, syst a systemic impact 
So virtual care is certainly huge, but on the other, another core area of our, our work is research, right? We have to be able to accelerate um, the research in mental health so that we can support people in the future, today and in the future. So um, it's typically been very disproportionately supported uh, mental health research compared to other um, illnesses. Um, so now I think the, the awareness around mental health being health is certainly going to be supportive of, of people um, and their understanding. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, and I want to bring up the topic of uh, specific needs for women. Um, there's been uh, quite a bit of, of coverage in the past few days and past few weeks. Uh, unfortunately, one of the uh, negative impact of the pandemic and the, the isolation uh, we're all in is the rise of uh, violence uh, at home and um, women's shelters who are struggling across the country to be able to meet the needs the increased needs that they're seeing in, the, in, in our communities right now. Um, is that something, and I know you've, you know, you used to be uh, with the Women's College Hospital and certainly uh, anything having to do with women's health and, and now women's mental health is a, a priority for you. Um, is that something that's being discussed at CAMH? Are there resources um, uh, that, that help on that front as well? Mm-hmm. It certainly has been um, top of mind for for a lot of us. I think um, it's it's interesting to see the how the gender conversation has come to the forefront. I think in a number of different ways, from women in leadership roles who are on the front lines, who are on our our news channels every day, uh, delivering really important um, empathetic messages to us, and they're they're finally um, getting the the praise and the kudos that they deserve as leaders, not just um, uh, because they're women, but they're their leaders, but certainly on um, your right, the the women that are impacted that um, are so disproportionately um, impacted, we're we're very concerned. I've uh, there's a lot of folks across the sector that are talking about this and how how um, shelters are, are impacted in a, in a major way. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, one of the the projects or areas that we um, shared right before COVID was um, our commitment to a program called Women Mind at CAMH. We actually launched this the week before COVID hit. So it was our last physical in-person launch um, event where we gathered. So CAMH has declared a major commitment in advancing women's mental health research Mm -hmm. and women in sciences. Um, So we have to cre- we have to fix that leaky pipeline of women yeah. not choosing you know, young girls not choosing science as a career but again this pandemic has now shone a light on this in such a great way of the need um, for more women so what this program is going to do it's actually led by women uh, philanthropists Sandy Tree Living and her family um, a generation of, of three women have come together from all across the country to say we believe this is important and we're going to help provide the resources so that we can create seed funding Mm -hmm. um, so that a gender lens is actually included in research um, and this is open to men and women researchers across the organization where they can access funding so they purposely are including that gender lens in all research that they do um, as well as a a global symposium on um, women's mental health that will be held at CAMH on an annual basis in the next year Um, and then also providing mentorship and coaching support services to young women in science um, at CAMH so that they are at the table negotiating for themselves for increases for salary and and those kinds of things. So creating those purpose-driven 
philanthropic dollars mm-hmm. um, to really incentivize behavior so that we're including um, the gender lens in all that we do. So those are some of the things we're looking at from a systemic perspective, how we can play a role. Mm-hmm. Um, but that um, what we do in the foundation is we just help to build that bridge. It's the donors that are the heroes. They're the ones that are actually making um, that work happen. So we're going to see certainly continued um, support in the areas of, of certain domestic violence and where how women are impacted. How can that research help accelerate um, some of our outcomes and findings? Um, but we certainly will will share if there's more um, as, as things continue to evolve on a day-by-day basis. I would suggest that you keep watch of uh, certainly the, the CAMH app at our website for more um, tailored information in this area. That's great. Um, and actually, I want you brought up um, young women uh, in science or women in healthcare. Um, I'd be curious to get your tips and advice for young women who are interested in a career, but uh, more on the philanthropy side, uh, supporting foundations, supporting health organizations in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. I think um, back to one of the, the themes we established early on is connection. Mm-hmm. being connected um, with each other, connecting to different associations and organizations um, in the fundraising space and phil- philanthropy space, the Association of Fundraising Professionals, um, Canadian Association of Gift uh, Planners. There's a lot of different associations that getting involved early on um, in some of their programming is a great way to connect with, with individuals. But um, for me, one of the, the greatest tools that I learn from a, um, a mentor in the in the sector early on in my career is is to build your networks when you don't need them That's connect true. with yeah. people <laughs> authentically so that they serve you when when mutually you both need them right, right. so yeah. um, connecting with people I think this actually you know uh, is a great time to be connecting with people you may not otherwise have connected with so mm. I've uh, I receive regular requests from people through LinkedIn and other areas of just to meet for coffee so we've now turned those things into virtual coffees yeah. and they're working <laughs> at other organizations different sectors or they're coming out of university or, or college and wanting to get into the sector so being able to um, connect with others in the sector is a really great great way and mm-hmm. that certainly would be my advice is continue connecting with people be purposeful in what you're you're looking for um, to make the the best use of people's time but um, utilize this time to connect yeah yeah that's amazing advice um, and a lot of women entrepreneurs listen to this show um, and I was going to bring up uh, the question of how they can support you know healthcare workers and, and mental health specifically for healthcare workers and We've seen uh, some great examples of Canadian companies and uh, female founders taking the lead. And um, I mean, there's a need for uh, very practical things like PPE, um, you know, or, or other material that is uh, hard to get our hands on. So several companies have pivoted and started producing masks or, or other PPE or uh, anything that can help frontline workers. Uh, but then there's also initiatives that's uh, basically just recognizing and celebrating the efforts of our, our new healthcare and frontline heroes. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to see entrepreneurs or any suggestions you would have for businesses that want to join your efforts and help support mental health for frontline workers? Yeah, I think you know. I I echo what you what you shared. We've been so um, uh, appreciative and and grateful for all the the outreach we've received, and um, lot really, it's just starting with um, 
creative conversations, people mm-hmm. approaching KMH, us reaching out to others saying, what can we do? Um, how can we help? And just starting with that conversation of how can we help? So we have actually established a COVID specific fund that is support going to support um, the greatest needs across your organization to anything that frontline workers may need um, and support during this time. So on kmh.ca backslash COVID-19 is one of the places you can start in terms of um, people looking to support, but be in touch with me, be in touch with one of our team members and just start the conversation mm-hmm. um, or, or send us uh, an outreach through Twitter, or Instagram or, or LinkedIn. That's where we're living a lot these days yeah. and where we're seeing a lot of interesting ideas and connections um, I'm only six months into my journey with CAMH and I'm building some pretty great connections through Twitter um, right. with many of our healthcare leaders across the organization because that's where people are right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's where we're seeing some of the this amazing work happening. And to your point, a lot of women entrepreneurs, um, L. A. Abzita at uh, Zavel, an amazing Canadian shoe company. I'm I'm sure you're aware of her as well. She started a, a healthcare heroes campaign where mm-hmm. she's gifting a pair of shoes to um, amazing women. Yeah. that are in the front line. So she's gifted a number to some of our CAMH partners and a number across uh, the country. To see an idea like that come from and she, values of caring and empathy and honoring and gratitude, to see how that now has um, taken off in such a meaningful way, mm-hmm. that has been such a, an amazing um gift to women on the front lines who need it so much right now not so much just about the shoes but about the fact that somebody cares about them someone nominated them so I love those kinds of uh, stories I'm so glad you bring her up Elle is actually a client of ours so we've been working closely uh, on that campaign and I'm loving the you know the symbolism around the rainbow that's been used quite a bit um, in Quebec, it's become an official campaign called Sava Bien Ali. Um, and it's uh, just seeing those those rainbows everywhere. Uh, and now companies are kind of joining that that bandwagon as well and, and using rainbows in, in different activities. And again, it's sending that message of, you know, thank you and, and hope and optimism and sharing it with frontline workers which I think is great. I love that. Mm. Uh, you know, one of the um, the things we heard from our our fearless CEO at CAMH, Catherine Zahn, Dr. Catherine Zahn, last week she did our uh, first virtual town hall and, and really shared the sense um, that the staff are feeling across the organization. As a psychiatric hospital, hospital we don't always receive, um, let's say, the same level of care outreach as general hospital peers. Right. Again, back to the fact that mental health is health. It's um, uh, just as important, if not more, than our our physical well-being. Some of our frontline workers have felt that, um, the disproportionate care outreach from community. Mm. So we as a foundation are really working hard to to shine a light and find those partners to help um, provide that gratitude and support um, from things simple as meals. Right. To be able to deliver to frontline workers that when they're coming in, literally gowning up and heading to the front lines, um, what can we do to demonstrate our appreciation? So this past Sunday, I went in with some of my colleagues and we delivered um, food from a, an incredibly generous restaurant in the in the area. 
and Queen West and just handed out food to to everybody arriving at their shift at 7.30 and to see the, the shock on their faces <laughs> and some of the comments we received of, really, this is for me? Uh, I just grab it? I just take it? Uh, and wow. you think, wow, what they are sacrificing with their own families and their own health to support others, yeah. that um, how can we share more of this gratitude and this kindness that, again, they don't expect, yeah. but they greatly appreciate. These are the things that make a big difference um, at a time like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I think that's, and again, back to, you know, what women entrepreneurs or business owners can do. Well, it's, you know, initiating gestures like that because it goes a long way. And I was going to add um, what's, and, and you and I connected back when I was working for Berks, uh, where we supported Women's College Hospital. And then, you know, we stayed in, in touch through through your, your yours and, and mine journey. Um it's I think for entrepreneurs, um, it's also uh, it, it's great not to underestimate the potential of making connections with uh, individuals in healthcare philanthropy because uh, it gives you access to an amazing network. And I'll speak about women specifically, but it's both men and women. It gives you access to an amazing network um, of individuals who share you know common values who are committed to making a difference, who are lending a helping hand wherever they can. And that circle grows and grows and it's an amazing community to be part of. And I think that's what we're seeing now is uh, individuals who you know, know each other from different backgrounds or, or different businesses or organizations, but coming together to make a difference. And ultimately this is, you know, this can create business opportunities, growth opportunities overall, um, but it's really about helping where it matters and, you know, connecting to values that are important to us as humans. Agree. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention and congratulate you on your amazing initiative that you've launched of uh, Women for Us. I had an opportunity to hear about it just a few weeks ago. And what a brilliant idea, again, out of need and values, um, wanting to connect people. It's such a genius idea. And um, I know it's going to serve so many in, in so many different communities. I've already shared it with a number of people across my networks too. Um, but I'm, I wish you all the best with it. And, and we will we will support however we can. Um, but I, I love, again, you see the creativity, the innovation out of a need um, and women who just do it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Not waiting around for somebody yeah. else to do it, but just to do it yeah. and yeah. Um, and start making an impact immediately. Yeah. Well, and thank you for mentioning the initiative and really our, you know, we want women for us to act as the gateway. It's almost like a, a bulletin board just to connect because we heard from so many uh, you know, organizations, uh, women's shelters, for example, who have increased needs. And at the same time, we saw so many women wanting to help, but not, not knowing where to start. And unfortunately, um, you know, some of the, the big players and the, the, the larger, uh, you know, healthcare organizations or, or other charities get more visibility and people think of donating to them. But then a lot of the smaller players or, you know, specific campaigns that are going on don't always get enough visibility. So our idea really was to be able to match the two. So anybody who wants to help, doesn't know where to start, can head to uh, womenforus.ca and see a list of organizations and initiatives that need support. It can be donations, it can be food, it can be volunteer time. Um, and it's really just about connecting them. Um, so 
we're definitely adding the CAMH initiative um, for uh, mental health for healthcare workers. Um, and uh, also you've shared a lot of resources as well, just for anyone who is struggling uh, with mental health issues uh, uh, during this time. Um, and then I want to ask you what actually is, it's, it's a bit off topic from the COVID conversation, um, but uh, it's my favorite question to ask on the podcast. And it is, what do you wish women would do more of? Hmm. Great question. I think um, for me is, is just to, to be more vocal. Mm-hmm. to be more vocal about, you know, what they have to offer, what their um, expertise is, to be, to, to be at the table, right, to um, share ideas and um, to be more vocal when, uh, and, and encourage our, our um, younger generations to be so as well, to speak up mm-hmm. um, and share opinions and, and ideas. Um, but then also, you know, I'm a mother of young boys too, so I'm I'm doing that with them, not just you know as a woman, I'm I'm role modeling that to them. I hope um, not every day is easy, but um, you know, from things as simple as doing dishes together and chores and responsibilities, and they need to be able to take care of themselves before they can take care of other people. Mm-hmm. So um, modeling that behavior, speaking up and being vocal, um, is certainly I think a great place to start. Um, to ultimately, which I believe so deeply in, is that that connectivity and um, network of of support. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was a great answer. So thank you so much, Megan, for speaking with me today. Well, thank you so much for your time. And and really, truly, thank you for helping us um, accelerate and share, scale these resources out. Our our position is we really want to deliver hope and help. And thank you for being a partner in that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. A huge thank you to Megan for joining me on the Brennan's Female today. If you'd like any information on CAMH's programs for mental health, for frontline workers, and for the public, visit camh.ca. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, further support of the Brennan's Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrennan'sfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening and stay safe. Yeah.